Jesus is Lord. Father, we thank you that we can be dearly loved children because of your only begotten. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth that you made and becoming one of us, living the perfect life and offering yourself as the atoning sacrifice on that cross. Lord, we are continually amazed at that sacrifice, the love that was demonstrated, the love that cannot be explained any other way than that you, God, chose to save and to display your infinite wisdom in the gospel. Thank you, Jesus, that you are alive. You showed yourself. You proved yourself. Thank you that you gave your word and you sent the Holy Spirit to apply the work of Christ to us. Thank you that you continue to answer prayer, that we see you involved in the details continually. So, Lord, let this time and this day be an offering of thanksgiving to you that we would draw near in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. <clears throat> Speak to me when the silence steals my voice. You understand me. You understand me. Come to me in the valley of unknowns. You understand me. You understand me. You understand me, God. You understand me. So I throw all my cares before you. My doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. I believe, but help my unbelief. You understand me, you understand me, help me reach the faith that's underneath, you understand me, you understand me, you understand me God, you understand me. So I throw all my cares before you, 
my doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. I will rest. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. So I throw all my cares before you. My doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. I will rest. Father's hands, leave the rest in the Father's hands. One more time. I will rest in the Father's hands, leave the rest in the Father's hands. at his feet he breaks the bow and bends the spear and tells the wars to cease oh mighty one of israel you are on our side we walk by faith god who burns the chariots with fire lord of hosts show with us with us in the fire with us as a shelter with us in the storm you will lead us through the fiercest battle oh where else would we go 
of men and still you let them live oh god who makes the mountains melt come wrestle us and win oh god who makes the mountains melt come wrestle us and win lord of hosts you're with us with us in the fire with us as a shelter with the sinner's form, you will lead us through the fiercest battle. Oh, where else would we go but with the Lord of hosts? roar you are the lord of all the one who calms the wind and waves and makes my heart be still though the earth gives way the mountains move into the sea the nations rage i know my god is in control Oceans roar, you are the Lord of all, the one who calms the wind and waves, makes my heart be still. Though the earth gives way, the mountains move into the sea, the nations rage, I know my God is in control, Lord of hosts, with us in the fire, with us as a shelter, with us in the storm, you will lead us through the fiercest battle. Oh, where else would we go but with the Lord of would we go you are our only hope and in you we have everything we need thank you Lord for your amazing grace 
Thank you that when we were utterly lost because of our own rebellion, you chose to save. You provided redemption through the precious blood of the Lamb. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to you this day and worship you and you receive us because those who are in Christ Jesus are robed in his righteousness. And so, Father, we pray that in this time together, you would speak to our hearts and tell us those things that you want us to know at this time. We pray that you would give us ears to hear your voice and eyes to see the truth, hearts of faith, that we might trust you completely. For you are worthy. You are trustworthy. Compassionate, gracious, all-knowing, and almighty. We trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would please open your Bibles to the book of Daniel. We are in chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. This is God's word. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, 
and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I am helpless. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who, looks at, like, who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, O man highly esteemed, he said. Peace. Be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. And in the first year of Darius the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect him. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. In chapter 10 and the first verse of chapter 11, which we just read, you have an introduction to the remaining chapters in the book of Daniel. And in those chapters, God outlines through his angelic messenger what is going to take place, not just in Daniel's lifetime, not just in the generations that follow, but ultimately all the way to the end of history. There are various, as we've said before in the chapters leading up to this, there are various interpretations about end-time prophecy. And I'm not going to try and indoctrinate you with a particular view of eschatology. You're welcome if you want to know more about that. I can recommend some wonderful sources, and you can read this guy and say, okay, that explains it. But then I'll want you to read this guy, and you say, oh, well, that explains it another way. And that's fine. But what I want you to see this morning in that run-up to what the angelic messenger tells him concerning the future is what the angelic messenger tells him concerning what is happening then in Daniel's day and now and has all through the history of man. If you want to takeaway slogan, the main point of today's message, always remember that there is a lot more going on than what we can see. There's a lot more going on than we can see. Jesus in John chapter 3 speaks of the way that the new birth happens. He says that 
You can't see the wind, you only see the effects. And it is that way with the Holy Spirit. You can't see the Holy Spirit working, though he did at times in Scripture manifest himself as a a cloud of light or a cloud of fire or as a dove that descended upon Jesus at his baptism or as flames of fire that came to rest over the heads of those on the day of Pentecost who were being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But in terms of how he works throughout history, we see the effects. But the word for spirit is the same as the word for wind and the same as the word for breath. So there are also many spirit beings that you and I can't see, but they are active. And what is happening in that spirit realm has a profound impact on the things that we do see. If you look at what has happened in recent world history, I mean, you can go all the way back, but if you just look at what's happened in the last decade, there are demonic forces that are at work in this land and around the world, setting us up for the time when there will be a one-world government, one-world economy, and when individual religious views will have to be set aside in order that we might have unity. And there are prominent religious leaders including the current Pope, who are working on this to try and and make it so that folks can all just come together and we can be at peace. Let me tell you something. What we see in the news and what we see in the culture around us, the insanity that we see in the current culture, is not simply a sociological phenomenon. It is a spiritual manifestation If you look at what happened to child abuse in 1973, when the Supreme Court ruled in 73 that it was legal in all 50 states, they overturned the laws of many states and said it was legal to go into the mother's womb and rip a child limb from limb crushing its skull, snapping its spine, dismembering it in the womb, and pulling it out. When the Supreme Court, the highest court in this land, said, that's the new rule, child abuse skyrocketed. Not just the abuse of abortion, which is the ultimate abuse, but children who had been born began being treated with far greater violence than had been in the previous decades. Why? Because what happened wasn't just sociological. There were demons unleashed. That was the same year that the American Psychological Association decided that 
You know, we've always said that homosexual behavior is, is a disorder. It, it's, it's not the way things are supposed to be. But we were wrong. It's fine. It's normal. Okay? Because there are, and have been down through history, various people who were inclined that way and behaved that way. And so we're, we're going to stop saying that that's abnormal. Well, that makes great sense. Kind of like saying that cancer is not abnormal. Because there have been, down through the ages, people who get cancer. Not everybody gets cancer, but a certain percentage of the population gets cancer. And that's just, it's a normal thing. Okay? Same with heart attacks. Okay? Heart attacks, we used to treat that as something that's abnormal, but really, look at all the people who get heart attacks. So I think we need to stop calling that some sort of sickness, as if there's, you know, we need to do something to try and help these people. In, instead, we just need to encourage people, hey, you know, if you have a heart attack, just accept that as normal. If you've got a tumor, just, just accept that as normal. If you think you're Napoleon, just accept that as normal. Guess what? It's sickness. It's sin sickness. But our culture in 1973 made a huge turn. And if you think that was just an interesting coincidence, you're wrong. Spiritual forces were at work, and lies from the father of lies became dominant among America's elite within the power structures. So, this Prince of Persia thing, I mean, what do we, what do, what do we get from that? Well, first of all, this angelic being that Daniel sees is, is so overwhelmingly different and brilliant and powerful that Daniel is terrified. Absolutely terrified. He doesn't look and say, wow, that is cool. First words of almost every angel when they appear in Scripture, don't be afraid. And the reason is because the first response of almost everybody who sees a manifestation of an angel in Scripture is, ah. Daniel was overwhelmed with fear. And the angel is telling him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If you and I could see the reality of what is going on around us all the time, we'd be overwhelmed. We'd be overwhelmed. It is the Lord's mercy that we don't see. I just recently had the joy of watching a movie with one of my grandchildren. It's my favorite movie. My favorite movie. Up. I love that movie. It is brilliant. 
It is fabulous storytelling. It's not just, you know, good artistic work. It is fabulous storytelling. It has that story within a story where without words, you know what's happening in the relationship between that man and his sweetheart. And every time I see it, it causes me to tear up. I know what's going to happen, but it still is so moving because it represents real people. I know people like that. In fact, I really would love to get to heaven and find out that they did, in fact, design the old man to look like my friend Hugh Cullen, who's now in heaven. Okay? I mean, in that movie, there are so many wonderful lessons, including the relationship that develops with that fatherless boy. And the way that he's not only able to bless that boy, but that boy blesses him. But one of the things that everybody takes away from that movie, that everybody remembers, squirrel! <laughs> right? Because you're, you know, you're, you're doing this and, and you're, you're on a mission and all of a sudden, squirrel! And we can relate to that, can't we? We can all relate to that. What I'm telling you is one reason God doesn't allow us to see all the stuff that's going on is because we wouldn't get anything done. We'd be like Daniel. We can't get up off the ground. We're just totally helpless, wiped out, because what we would see would be so overwhelming. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're told that our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this present age and against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm, you know, what the, what's that talking about? It's talking about the fact that there are various realms of demonic beings who are at war against us. Our warfare is not against flesh and blood, against people. I think it's that other party. It's that, it's that awful party, political party. And I say we got to stand against them. Well, without naming them, I'll tell you they are hideous. A pack of liars and crooks and I have zero, zero, zero respect for people that are pathological liars, no matter what political party they're in. But that's not the enemy. Pastor Joseph Son, who was persecuted in Romania before the fall of Ceausescu, talked about being brought in before a panel of judges. And these were the great, powerful people who were going to decide his future. And he said as he sat there praying, he suddenly saw 
strings going from their arms and their heads up into the air. A reminder that they were just puppets. Pastor, what, did they really have strings coming out of their head? No, he saw the spiritual reality of what was happening in that room. And that is that the people who felt so powerful and who thought that they could control his future were actually being controlled. And he knew that beyond the forces that were controlling them is the God who rules over all. Now, there are spiritual beings that have intelligence, that have power, that have a lot of experience, and they manipulate people and cultures and world events. And if you and I want to be victorious, we are told how to be victorious in the Scripture. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to take your stand against the forces of darkness. All of the armor listed in Ephesians 6 is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Every bit of it. It's all in him. He is our peace. He is our righteousness. He is our salvation. And he is the living word of God. Everything that we need is found in him. Therefore, having itemized the armor in Ephesians 6, we're told in another one of Paul's letters, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Find your identity in him. Find your refuge in him. Find your strength in him. He is the one who saves. He is the one who changes us from the inside out so that while the world is plunging down the broad road to destruction, you and I are going against the traffic on a narrow way. Because we are not destined for wrath. God in his mercy offers eternal life to all those who trust in Jesus. And if you are trusting in him, you're not just saved, you're safe. So nobody can harm me? No, they may kill you, but they can't harm you. They may imprison you, but they can't harm you. They may beat you, but they can't harm you. Well, doesn't sound very safe to me. Well, it depends on whether you're trying to save your life, in which case you'll lose it, or whether you're ready to lose your life for Jesus' sake, in which case you find it. What to you would be success in this life? Is it just comfort? Are you hoping to cruise through life on a pillow? You're doomed if that's your goal. Well, no, I've known some people who may. What happened after they died? Oh, well, I don't know. Well, I can tell you. 
If a person's goal is self-preservation and self-comfort and self-pleasure, they're going to spend eternity in torment. That's a bad bargain. How long do you expect to live? Well, I have good genes in my family. I I hope to live to be, uh, you know, maybe close to 100. And then what? Well, eventually I die. And then what? I don't know. You ought to find out. You and I were not destined for the grave. We're going to spend forever somewhere. Where do you want to be? I want to be with Jesus. Thank God Jesus wanted me to be with him. Enough that he was willing to go to the cross and take the punishment that I deserved. So, Daniel sees this amazing being. And fell to the ground, terrified. I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left, verse 8. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. I just want to ask you a question. Is it possible that sometimes as we study God's word, we would end up feeling worse instead of better? Is your devotional life designed to just give you happy, peppy, snappy slogans? Okay. When I was growing up, we had what was called a promise box. They were very popular in our little evangelical subculture. Ours was made of alabaster, which was really cool because that's a thing mentioned in the Bible. It was a, a box of alabaster, not imitation. It was real alabaster. And inside that, and there was just little pieces of alabaster glued together. Maybe they got them from that gal who broke the vase. I don't know. But they didn't. Anyway, it was pieces of alabaster glued together and and it made a little box and inside were these little printed cards that had Bible verses on them. And they were wonderful verses and God used those to bless and encourage me. I'd be going off to take a test at school and dreading it because I didn't study enough. And, um, And pull out a promise from the promise box. Do not fear, I will be with you. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to school. I noticed as I began to read the Bible more on my own that there were a bunch of verses that didn't make it into the promise box. Okay? Then I will say to them, depart from me (laughs) into everlasting darkness. And these people will be thrown out and there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That was not in the promise box. Okay? It was was a very selective approach to Scripture. Just the pleasant stuff. Yesterday, a parishioner gave 
my wife and me, a box of chocolates. I gained two pounds. Isn't that sad? I mean, you know, I didn't eat the whole box. Just, I mean, they were only about this big around. Okay? And, and I only ate four pieces. But man, when that sugar gets in me, it's like, yes! <laughs> it just takes over and I... It's all right. I'm going to drop those pounds today. But, but here's the thing. I have no idea why I told that story. Um, <laughs> there, there was a point I was going to make. You and I, you and I, sometimes when we go to God's word, are just looking for a little bite of chocolate. That, that was the point. That's where I was going. Okay. We, we don't want real nutrition. It's okay to have a piece of chocolate. Sometimes. But if you try and live on chocolate candy, you're going to be sick. I mean, never mind fat. You're going to be sick. It's not what your body needs. Well, I heard that chocolate is good for you. Dark chocolate is good for you in moderation. It is. Brazil nuts are good for you. Unless you eat too many. Brazil nuts are toxic if you eat too many. Wow, I thought nuts were healthy. They are, but you need to know how many of which nuts to eat. Pistachios, you can eat lots, okay? And, and it's actually good for your mental health as well. But certain nuts will just make you sick. I heard that some mushrooms can make you sick. Yes, the portobello mushrooms are nice. Unless you eat a bucket of them. You and I need to go to the whole of God's word. And sometimes as we are studying the scriptures, God will reveal things to us that are in his word that will make us feel crummy. I'll tell you, the main time that happens to me is when I see what God says about what he desires and I realize how miserably short I fall of that goal. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But sometimes we read something that causes us to realize we didn't just miss it by a little. And it's like Isaiah saying, woe is me, I am undone. You see, if we really believe what God says, the consequence will be that we will realize how desperately we need a Savior. Which, as we then look to Jesus as our Savior, will move us from sorrow to overwhelming joy and gratitude. But if you just try and focus on the happy thoughts, you're going to miss some of the most important things that God has in order to grow you into the person he wants you to be. Because Jesus, 
say, well, I, I just want to look at Jesus. Okay, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Well, well not that Jesus. Okay. I was thinking, you know, the little baby in the manger that never cries. Okay. That's not in the Bible. It does too say he was placed in the manger. Yeah, but it doesn't say he didn't cry. That was written into a Christmas song by somebody who was tired of hearing his child crying, no doubt. <laughs> Jesus didn't cry, now be quiet. Okay. I, I'm telling you, this passage gives us a glimpse of something that most of us are oblivious to. We simply ignore the reality of what is described here. And the reality is that there is spiritual warfare going on all the time. And there are angels fighting demons all the time. And it has an impact on human history all the time. And you and I can behave like a bunch of little hamsters down here, clueless, or we can study the scriptures and begin to understand that this warfare involves us because those evil forces are arrayed against us and our only hope is in Christ Jesus. But in Christ Jesus, we have the victory. If you know that and you stand in Christ against the forces of darkness, then I'm telling you something. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Father, we thank you that your word is true, that you keep your promises, and that we do not have to be afraid. I pray that you would help us to truly trust and obey. Thank you that in Christ Jesus... You have already overcome all the forces of darkness and everything that stood against us was nailed to the cross. So now we can come into your presence with boldness as dearly loved children and call you with the spirit of adoption, Daddy, Abba, Father, we adore you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our punishment and granting us victory. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to apply the truth of your word to our lives. Grant that we would walk in obedience to you this day without fear. In Jesus' name, amen.